Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. Verse 13. The sons of Jacob answered Shechem and his father Hamor deceitfully because he had defiled their sister. So we know right away this is a trick. They're, they're going to deceive them. It says, They said to them, We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. Only on this condition will we agree with you that you will become as we are by every male among you being circumcised. Then we will give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters to ourselves, and we will dwell with you and become one people. But if you will not listen to us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and we will be gone. So the sons say, hey, this is the deal. We, we serve a different God and this is our custom as we get circumcised. So if we are going to become one people, if you're going to be one of us, you have to get circumcised to do this. Interestingly enough, in the law later on, it becomes a rule that if, if a foreigner wants to assimilate into the nation of Israel, they can do it. They have to get circumcised and they have to practice the law. And then it says, so, and then let them be as a native of the land if they do this. So in a way, this was their way of evangelizing. The Old Testament way of evangelizing. Hey, get circumcised and start following God, Yahweh, and you can be one of us. And it is very twisted and messed up because these guys are using their form of evangelism to entrap these guys, to hurt them, to harm them. It'd be kind of like you inviting someone to church so you could beat them up. Right? Hey, come on here. Hey, we have, great, uh, we have a great bathroom. Come back here. I'll show you. Mm, mm, mm. You throw them in the stall. Welcome to Calvary Chapel. Bam. It's like that would be so messed up, right? In effect, that's what they're doing though, right? Hey, if you, can, you can be part of us. This is what we do. This is... This is how we honor God. So if you want to do it, get circumcised. Verse 18. It says, Their words pleased Hamor and Hamor's son Shechem. They must have been very motivated if the words pleased them. (laughs) Verse 19. And the young man did not delay to do the thing. He was motivated because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. Now, he was the most honored of all his father's house. So Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of their city and spoke to the men of their city, saying, These men are at peace with us. Let them dwell in the land and trade in it, for behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their wives, daughters as wives, and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will the men agree to dwell with us to become uh, one people when every male among us is circumcised as they are circumcised and they're all, yeah, let's do it. And then they're like, what is circumcision though? He's like, let me explain. It says, will not their livestock, and this is how he wins them over. Will not their livestock, their property, and all their beasts be ours? Again, he's, they're just after Jacob's riches. Only let us agree with them and they will dwell with us. And all who went out of the gate of his city listened to Hamor and his son Shechem. And every male was circumcised all who went out of the gate of his city. So they just agree to do this because of, it, was amb- it was advantageous for them, monetarily speaking. 
This was going to boost their economy. And let me tell you, people will give a lot of things to have their economy boost. People will surrender a lot for a stimulus check. I think we see that in this day and age. People will do the craziest things for money. They will give, they'll give away their own rights if they get free money. They, they do that. I, now, could you imagine this town meeting? You know, hey guys, I got this great opportunity. It's really, really going to make us, we're all going to be rich. It would be like one of them pyramid scheme meetings probably, you know. <laughs> and he's like, a mo- he get, gets his best motivational speaker up there to convince them to do this thing. But they all agree, crazy enough. They all agree to do this. They're like, let's do it. All right. Let's go meet at Carl's house. I think he's got the sharpest flint knife. And uh, we are going we to take care of business. Um, and uh, we shouldn't be surprised when we see this kind of behavior, not just in the Bible, but around us, that so many people take the mark of the beast. I mean, the Bible really spells it out. It says, you know, 666, this is the number of the beast, the mark of the beast. There's a lot within the Bible, the description of the mark of the beast. You can't buy or sell anything without this mark. A lot, of, a, a lot that is described in the Bible that will make it so obvious when the mark comes. And people will not care. They'll just take it because of prosperity. Because they want to be able to buy and sell because they want to be wheeling and dealing in the world's economy at whatever cost, even to the, to the cost of their own rights. They will swear allegiance to the person who will make them rich. We shouldn't be surprised when we see this kind of stuff happening. Verse 25, it says, On the third day, when they were sore, uh, some of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers took their swords and came against the city while it felt secure and killed all the males. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the sword and took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went away. Now, I, I just got to say, if Dinah was forced upon, was raped and kidnapped, then I think those people got what they deserved. Maybe that's harsh. But they go a little overboard when they kill the rest of the town. You can see why God said, hey, an eye for an eye. Not a whole village of eyes for one eye. You know, they just, they go overboard here. Um, But like I said, if Shechem did do that violently, he took his life into his own hands. He lost the right to, to, to live. And I can understand why the brothers would be so upset. I would be outraged if this happened to someone that I knew and loved. I would. And I'd be tempted to do the same thing. And maybe that's not as spiritual of me, but it's true. It's true. Verse 27, uh, they came upon the slain and plundered the city because they had defiled their sister. They took their flocks and their herds, their donkeys and whatever was in the city and in the field and all their wealth and all their little ones and their wives and all that was in the houses they captured and plundered. So this messy and complicated situation takes place again this is real life and this was this was actually a big part of the way their societies function it's savage to us in our civilized you know culture but we need to remember that the sword was necess- a necessary part of their survival so they definitely crossed the line this was wrong but this was also very common and something ironically something that God would 
later on call them to do, in, in the process of his covenant and giving the nation of Israel the land, he will eventually call them to drive out the Canaanites and wipe them out. He's already pronounced judgment on the Ammonites, a sect of Canaanites, until their sin reaches the full measure, and it hasn't yet. And that's where the sin lies here. If, if they did this 400 years or so later, these guys would be considered heroes. Do you know that? Do you realize that? But because they did it right now, when God didn't command them to do it, when God was not desiring to judge this town yet, it was wrong. Instead of being the, the judgment of God, it was really the anger and the wrath of man. In fact, the Bible tells us the wrath of man, the wrath of man does not work or produce the righteousness of God. It doesn't. And our righteous indignation, as righteous as it may seem, if it's outside of God's will, is dangerous and it is wrong. And we need to be careful of that. Preaching to myself here, right? I was talking about how I'd be tempted to kill these guys too. But we do need to keep it in check. We have to be very careful, guys, that we don't take our moral cues from our culture, our upbringing, or even our emotions. We've got to take our moral cues from the Lord, from His Word, and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. Taking every difficult, complicated life situation to the Lord, not acting in haste, but letting Him guide and direct us in that situation. Because if you don't, with regards to your righteous indignation, you may sin in this way. You may sin in the way of Moses. Do you remember Moses when he struck the rock? And God's like, I didn't tell you to strike the rock again. I told you to speak to the rock. You've misrepresented me. You've, you've misrepresented my judgment and my wrath. I didn't tell you to do that. So there is a time in your righteous indignation to refrain. And there's also a time in your desire for perhaps mercy to actually bring, bring wrath. I was thinking of King Saul, who was kind of the other side of the coin, right? God told him to annihilate the Amalekites. And he let the king, and it seemed merciful, but he let King Agag live. So on the outside, it was like, oh, Saul is so merciful. But really, Saul was disobedient. And in that instance, Samuel, who knew the will of God, had to hack King Agag, King Agag into pieces. But God, God was dealing with that. That's, that was the right thing to do in that moment. Um, and so we have to be very careful. Obviously, God's not calling you right now to go hack somebody out there, all right? But you have to be led by the Holy Spirit because there is a time to kill. I don't, you probably don't hear that a ton from the pulpit. But the Bible says there is a time to kill. And let's not be so quick to judge these guys as savage in this society because whether you realize it or not, we, we actually, our, the, our line of freedom is held by a sword as well. God has appointed certain people to bear the sword and they don't bear the sword in vain. And if they're doing God's job as God has appointed them, they do it for the sake of peace. They do it to hold the line of peace. They do it to protect those who can't defend themselves. And again, as we've seen the, the happenings in, in even Afghanistan right now, I think that becomes clearer than ever before that there is a need for that hard line to be held. Even today, we think we've, we've advanced beyond tribalism, but we're just as much in it today. We're this close from not being protected. We're this close from having to, to, to defend our own families. 
if our law enforcement went away, if our military went away, we would have to revert back to this type of society. And it would be a necessary protection to, to bear that sword. And God help us, you know. It's, it's a hard thing. It's a, it's a difficult thing. Obviously, in, in Christ, we turn the other cheek. In Christ, we seek to lay down our lives so that our enemies might be saved. But nevertheless, there is a time to take up the sword as well. And let's not, let's not forget that. Verse 30, it says, Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have brought trouble on me by making me stink to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. My numbers are few, and if they gathered themselves against me and attacked me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. But they said, Should he treat our sister like a prostitute? And I agree, that's what he's doing, right? He sleeps with her, and then he tries to pay, pay the family off. And so they're, outra- they're outraged. But again, Jacob responds out of concern for this conquer or be conquered type of culture that they're living in. He's trying his best, it seems, to avoid war, to avoid conflict. And I got to say, on his, in his defense, God did not call him to come in and conquer the land. Remember, God said, go in, trust me to deliver the land in, into your hand. In fact, he even crippled Jacob so Jacob couldn't fight properly. So Jacob seems to be just doing what God called him to do, which was trusting in God, not trying to get into fights, not trying to take the land by force. But these guys, they do. They take it by force. The Bible says to be angry and do not sin. They had a right to be angry, but yet they sinned in their anger. They, they, they did not obey the Lord. They didn't take their anger to the Lord. And though it seems like it could have turned out for the good of the nation of Israel, it seems like God delivered them into the hands of, of Levi and Simeon. It seems like uh, Jacob's prophecy is being fulfilled that he is now conquering the land. This was not what God desired. How do we know that? Well, in chapter 49, Jacob prophesies over these two sons. And by the Spirit of the Lord, this is what he says to them. He says, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Weapons of violence are their swords. Let my soul come not into their counsel. O oh, my glory, be not joined to their company, for in their anger they killed men, and in their willfulness they hamstrung oxen. They just went overboard in their anger. Verse seven, it's, and then it says, Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. And the Lord actually confirms this prophecy because Simeon basically becomes absorbed into the other tribes and scattered. And Levi, the tribe of Levi, they become the priesthood and they weren't allowed to acquire their own land. And so the, the Levites were scattered all throughout the land as well to, in order to serve as priests for every other tribe. So the, the prophecy is correct and it's fulfilled. Now, as I, as I close this messy chapter out, guys, this mess really could have simply been the result of, of camping too close to the Canaanites. It could have been a consequence of, of Jacob taking his family too close to the world, to the sin of the world. And this is often the result for us guys when we set up, again, too close to sin. When we harbor too much of sin in our lives. And you may be able to resist for a season, but again, it's only a matter of time before that sin will creep in and take over. And when it does, it will entice you and it will steal from you like it did to Dinah. It will divide you. It will make you angry. It will cause you to lose self-control like it did to Jacob and his sons. The Bible says, can a man take fire into his bosom and not be burned? Take fire into his lap and not get it singed and scorched? Obviously, no, you can't. When you play with fire, you're going to get burned. 
And the same is true about sin. The same is true about dealing with the enemy and dealing with evil in the world. When you play with it, it's only a matter of time before it burns you. And so I just want to close by asking you, are you playing with fire right now? Like, do you have anything in your life you need to get out of your life? Are you giving the enemy a foothold? Have you camped too close to the Canaanites and now you're vulnerable? Have you set your eyes on the green plains like Lot did and now you're getting closer and closer to the camp of the enemy? Stop right now and repent. Change your mind about the direction you're going because it will end bad. And I got to say, guys, I feel like Jesus is coming back at any moment. Do you want to be caught in that sin when the Lord comes back? Do you want to have this issue between you and the Lord before He comes back? Do you want to be found standing before the Lord with this sin issue in your life? You don't. So, so deal with this sin issue, guys. And obviously, the best way to deal with that sin issue isn't by obsessing over every little sin in your life. It's by following Jesus. The best way to deal with the sin and temptation in your life is by getting closer to Jesus and desiring to honor Jesus. Every day, making the decision to give your life over to Him, letting Him direct you, letting Him lead you, letting Him protect you, right? This is, this is the best thing that you can do. And the greatest thing regarding this entire mess, this entire, entire situation, and that is that it's covered by God's grace. God, God didn't choose Jacob and Abraham and Isaac because they were perfect men, because they had it all together. He chose them and He's using them because He's a gracious God. And the same is true for your life, guys. Let your relationship with the Lord not be characterized by your ability to perform for Him. Because we do fall short. But let your relationship with Him be characterized by His grace, His willingness to forgive you. Because that's, at the end of the day, that's what we see here. It's a mess. This family's a mess. But God continues to use them. God continues to forgive them and do amazing work in their life. And He'll do the same for you guys. Amen? Let's all stand up. Let's pray. And God, it is a lot to uh, take in. Lord, with, with this chapter, and we realize, Lord, the Bible is real. It addresses real life issues, and we thank you for that, Lord God. And we acknowledge that though we don't always have the answers, you have all the answers, God. And if nothing else, may we, may we be drawn closer and closer to you as we uh, enter into com- complicated situations, Lord, as you allow us to face difficulties in life. May it cause us, above all, not to know all the answers, but may it cause us to draw nearer to you. Lord God, we pray for your grace and your mercy to take place in our lives. We pray for your grace and mercy to take place uh, in the world tonight, Lord God, as horrible things take place all over the world. And we just pray, Maranatha, we continue just to pray, come Lord Jesus, come quickly, uh, that you would make things, everything right, that you would come back and you would recompense, Lord God, the wicked, and, and that you would um, forgive, Lord God, Uh, those who are in you and that you would restore and that you would renew things, Lord, back to the way you desire them to be. We're desperate for your grace. We're desperate for your mercy, Lord. We confess we don't have it together and we need your forgiveness. And so cleanse us, we pray. And we, we, we pray that you would come quickly in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here. You've been listening to a teaching from Ignition Tucson, the Young Adults Ministry of Calvary Tucson. Our hope is that through this ministry, your heart would be ignited to live boldly for Christ. 
If you live in the greater Tucson area and you're between the ages of 18 and 28, we want to invite you out to join us in person. We meet every Thursday at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Tucson's East Campus on Speedway and Camino Seco. We hope to see you there. God bless.